You know, this post-election process has been like a Friday the 13th movie. No matter how many times you shoot Jason or you stab Jason or you electrocute Jason, he just keeps on coming back at you over and over again, and he just won't stay down. You know, I think the Attorney General of Michigan may be listening to the broadcast. I don't know. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. It ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Rochester, New York on WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV. Out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle. On KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Deprogrammed Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker. And all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com with 41 days until Inauguration Day on January 20. How many times Jason is going to pop back up from the grave? (laughs) Before then, we can't tell you. Uh, But we have warned you in any event. There are 27 days until the Electoral College votes are accepted or not by Congress on January 6th. On yesterday's broadcast, we told you why that is likely to be a very long day indeed. And then uh, 26 days until uh, the final chance in Georgia to cast your vote in uh, the two U.S. Senate runoffs that will determine control of the U.S. Senate. That would be uh, January 5. Early voting starts on Monday, and we will be talking about that a little bit on today's show. And there are just four days now until the Electoral College casts its votes to, well, I used to say finalize Election 2020, Des. You don't Um, say that anymore. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't. Uh, That is Monday, December 14. The Electoral College will cast its votes. Joe Biden will almost certainly receive 306 of them, more than enough. Well, more than enough to become the next president of the United States. But all of that can be challenged as we move forward towards January 20th. And I suspect it will. Welcome to the broadcast. I need to uh, get to my guest here today very shortly. I got a lot to ask her about. We haven't spoken with Marilyn Marks since before the November 3rd election. 
Listeners, uh, of course, should know Marilyn and her Coalition for Good Governance is the group who has been challenging Georgia's unverifiable Dominion touchscreen voting systems for long before the Trumpers and his MAGA mob decided that Dominion stole the election from Donald Trump and switched votes with a secret magic algorithm to Joe Biden somehow. Uh, Marilyn Marks has long been a critic of the Dominion Voting System Company and of Georgia Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger's decision to use their systems for the first time this year in the presidential election. So as a longtime critic of Dominion, who knows Georgia elections as well as anybody in the nation, by and large, and by the way, though her group is nonpartisan, she at least used to be a Republican who ran for office some years ago as a Republican. We will find out if she is concerned that Dominion somehow stole the election in the Peach State and what she advises folks both in Georgia and outside of Georgia to uh, to do to help assure transparency and oversight and an election that the public can somehow have confidence in when it comes to that uh, critical, those critical U.S. Senate runoffs there in January uh, with early voting starting on Monday, even in early in-person voting, the state requires voters to use those god-awful, unverifiable touchscreen systems in Georgia. Uh, but qu quickly, first, uh, we've been, as long as we're running some numbers here, let's run a few more. The most deadly day in American history, the uh, number one deadliest day, was the Galveston hurricane when some 8,000 people were killed in that storm. Uh, Des, your family was actually in that storm, were they not? <laughs> yes, my great-grandmother and my great-grandfather on my mom's side both uh, were in that storm and both thankfully survived. Survived, it. yes, thankfully yeah. indeed. What, what year, do we remember 1900. what year? 1900. All right, then the second most deadly day in U.S. history was the Battle of Antietam uh, during the Civil War when 3,675 died on a single day. The third most deadly day was Gettysburg. 3,155 died on one day. And the fourth most deadly day in the U.S. had been September 11 when 2,977 were killed. Well, September 11 is no longer the fourth deadliest day in American history. Instead, it was Wednesday. Yesterday, roughly 3,124 Americans were killed, according to Johns Hopkins. Uh, that day now lives in infamy above September 11, which becomes, I guess, number five, followed by last Thursday, last Wednesday, last Friday, and last Tuesday, and then Pearl Harbor with 2,403 killed. So we've had one, two, three, four, five days at least now that have been more deadly than uh, Pearl Harbor and at least one more deadly than September 11, thanks to the COVID crisis in this country, which this uh, president has so horrifically mangled. The former FDA commissioner, Scott Gottlieb, told CBS News on Sunday that the U.S. could reach nearly 4,000 deaths per day from the pandemic in January. So buckle up for that. That will make it uh, that will become the deadliest day or days um, after the Galveston storm. Remember back in late October 
when Donald Trump said this. COVID, 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 COVID. By the way, on November 4th, you won't hear about it anymore. Yeah, so if you ever needed proof that everything Donald Trump accuses everyone else of doing uh, is because that's what he's actually doing or planning to do, well, there you go. He's the only one not talking about COVID, COVID, COVID anymore. Everyone else is still talking about it and still worrying about COVID. But um, what's the soon-to-be former president of the United States doing about it? Well, while the nation suffered its highest coronavirus death toll for a single day on Wednesday, Donald Trump was waging war on democracy and preaching false claims about election fraud to a packed crowd at an indoor Hanukkah party at the White House. He said, all I ask is for uh, people with wisdom and with courage, that's all. Trump said to the crowd while he was not wearing a mask, according to a tweeted video of the event, because if certain very important people, if they have wisdom and if they have courage, we're going to win this election in a landslide, he told the group. Wednesday's White House holiday party coincided with the U.S. surpassing the previous records for the number of people who died in a single day, as well as the record for deaths. Another 106,000 were hospitalized for the virus on Wednesday as hospitals buckle under the pressure to accommodate the tide, the tsunami of new patients Uh, that are now coming in. More than 100 guests attended each of two Hanukkah parties on Wednesday inside at the White House, according to the Times of Israel. The news of that packed event comes after the White House was widely criticized for hosting large holiday festivities in spite of warnings from Trump's own administration and his own public health experts to avoid gatherings exactly like those. Rather than address that crisis uh, and the grim records that have come with it at a quickening pace in recent weeks, Trump falsely said again that he won the election, declaring that victory was on its way, even as his uh, court efforts to overturn the election results have been repeatedly shot down. But Trump, refusing to acknowledge any of that, told partygoers he had beaten Trump, uh, he had beaten Biden, quote, in a much easier way than he won over Democratic candidate Hillary Clinton back in 2016. I yes. have no idea what that means. He's it means he's deranged. It okay. means he's out. He means uh, he won this way more than he won over uh, Hillary Clinton, ah. except for all of those uh, cheating Democrats and voting machines that stole it from him. He told the party goers that a lawsuit from the indicted Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton which we reported on on detail on uh, this program yesterday. You could download that for free at bradblog.com if you missed it. Uh, He talked about that lawsuit, which seeks to toss out election results in four battleground states, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia, all of which were won by Joe Biden, who broke records by securing some 81 million votes. That's the most ever for a presidential candidate. In fact, that Texas case is, in a word, ridiculous, repeating long ago and easily debunked claims of fraud. And it otherwise cites the U.S. Constitution's elections clause to say that only state legislatures may set any election law or any election rule or regulation. And then any rule or regulation set by 
a governor or a secretary of state or a board of election or a state court even must be found unconstitutional under the U.S. Constitution. And any votes that are cast under those rules, not set by the state legislature, uh, must be thrown out, at least in the four states that Texas is suing and instead should be awarded to Donald Trump. The case was filed by Paxton directly with the U.S. Supreme Court. It did not even include the signature of Texas's own solicitor general, who apparently want to know part of it, or any of the attorneys in the attorney general's office. There was a private attorney who uh, who signed on to it. But Trump is uh, reportedly uh, said to have warned Georgia's Republican Attorney General Chris Carr to not rally other Republican officials against that lawsuit, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution late on Wednesday. His plea to the uh, state's attorney general came after Carr had called the lawsuit, quote, constitutionally, legally and factually wrong. Some have correctly, in my opinion, suggested that this uh, recent request from Paxton uh, to hear this case at the U.S. Supreme Court is part of a broader effort by the AG, uh, who is already facing state felony charges for securities fraud, to try and curry favor for a pardon from Donald Trump before he leaves office, not in those in the state case where he can't be pardoned, but because Paxton also is facing an FBI investigation and possible federal charges for allegations from a whole bunch of uh, his top staffers that he abused his office and he took bribes to benefit a wealthy donor. Meanwhile, Georgia's deputy secretary of state, uh, Jordan Fuchs, also a Republican, uh, she issued a statement calling Paxton's uh, claims in that uh, Texas lawsuit, quote, false and irresponsible. She said Texas alleges that there are 80,000 forged signatures on absentee ballots in Georgia, but they don't bring forward a single person who this happened to. She said that's because it didn't happen. But as ridiculous as it is. Some 17 other states now with Republican attorneys general have now signed on to supporting that Texas case, incredibly enough. But today, 20 states, at least 20 states, responded to say that that case was absurd and should be tossed out. Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin on Thursday, urged the U.S. Supreme Court to reject the lawsuit filed by Texas and backed by Trump, seeking to undo Joe Biden's election victory to, yes, steal the election, saying that the case has no factual or legal grounds and offers, quote, bogus claims. Josh Shapiro, Pennsylvania's Democratic attorney general, wrote in a filing to the nine justices on the court, what Texas is doing in this proceeding is to ask this court to reconsider a mass of baseless claims about problems with the election that have already been considered and rejected by this court and other courts. He called the Texas suit a, quote, cacophony of bogus false claims, and added, quote, Texas's efforts to get this court to pick the next president has no basis in law or fact. The court should not abide this seditious abuse of the judicial process. 
Michigan's Democratic Attorney General Dana Nessel said the challenge here is unprecedented without factual foundation or a valid legal basis. She's the one you heard at the top of the show likening all of this to Jason rising from the dead over <laughs> and over and over In again. The Friday the 13th movies. Yep. Like a horror movie. Josh Call, Wisconsin's Democratic Attorney General, noted that, quote, there has been no indication of any fraud or anything else that would call into question the reliability of the election results. And 20 states, and it may now be 22, I'm not sure, uh, joined uh, along with the District of Columbia to file a brief lodged by Democratic officials on Thursday backing the four states who have been targeted by Texas. So, you know, when 17 Republican states came on board, that got a lot of media. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Haven't seen nearly as much media today that uh, 20 states, 22 states are opposing Texas. Funny for, that. For some reason. Isn't that odd? Mm. Even one Republican uh, state attorney general, by the way, Dave Yost of Ohio, he filed a separate brief on Thursday opposing the Texas proposal that votes be tossed out, saying that it, quote, would undermine a foundational premise of our federalist system, the idea that the states are sovereigns free to govern themselves. And by the way, Ohio went for... Donald Trump. So good on the Republican attorney general of that state, David Yost, for speaking out here. Nonetheless, the lying, desperate, deranged loser, Jason, I mean, Donald Trump, <laughs> wrote on uh, Twitter on uh, uh, today that, quote, the Supreme Court has a chance to save our country from the greatest election abuse in the history of the United States. Yep. That's what he said. Anyway, more on that, I can almost guarantee uh, in the days ahead as this case moves forward and is considered or not by the Republicans stolen and packed U.S. Supreme Court. Good God. But let's take a quick break here and let's head back down to Georgia to find out what really happened there and or did not happen there that allowed the dead ender Republicans to claim that there was fraud even if there wasn't, and how all of this may affect the critical upcoming U.S. Senate runoffs in the same state on the same Dominion voting systems with early voting beginning on Monday. Marilyn Marks joins us from the Peach State. That's next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Where the pine trees find the winding roads Seems they'll never end Oh, I thank the Lord I'm going back to Georgia once again <laughs> Going back to Georgia? I don't know. I don't know that we ever left Georgia at this point. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. So, yeah, long before fears of the private Canadian-based voting system vendor named Dominion Voting Systems became the bete noire 
of uh, Team Trump and the MAGA mob, the uh, the target of allegations that their computerized voting and tabulation systems somehow stole the 2020 presidential election from Donald Trump by flipping votes with a secret algorithm to Joe Biden in cahoots with the dead Venezuelan president Hugo Chavez and uh, one of the company's competitors by the name of Smartmatic, which until this year didn't even have any elections contracts in the U.S. and now has only one right here in my own home county of Los Angeles. Long before all of that, long before the November 3rd, 2020 election, we have been not only reporting on Dominion, warning about Dominion going back at least 10 years in exclusive investigative reports that have apparently been cribbed from, bastardized from, lied about in order to make the case by the uh, uh, Team Trump for their uh, newfound so-called election integrity advocates in the Republican Party. Long before all of that, we have been reporting an actually independently verifiable detail, both at bradblog.com and here on the Bradcast, on the dangers of these specific, unverifiable, tr- untransparent voting and tabulation systems made by Dominion Voting Systems and all of the other private companies in our public elections. For the past several years on this program, we have been regularly joined in that effort by Marilyn Marks of the nonpartisan Good Government Watchdog Organization CoalitionForGoodGovernance.org which is a long-standing plaintiff in a federal lawsuit in Georgia seeking to block the use of Dominion's unverifiable touchscreen voting systems in the state. She and we have warned about the very systems that are now suddenly in contention by disappointed Trump voters and attorneys after years of Republicans in Georgia and elsewhere ignoring the advice of cybersecurity experts and voting systems experts like Marilyn Marks. And in fact, regarding them and her and me as sore losers and or conspiracy theorists, ironically enough, even in the weeks leading up to early voting for the November 3rd elections, Marilyn and the Coalition for Good Governance were trying to convince counties in the state of Georgia to ignore the demands of its Republican Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, who was forcing them to use these unverifiable touchscreens. She had been hoping to encourage those counties to use transparent, verifiable, hand-marked paper ballots for all voters at the polling place. Alas, it was all too little avail as Georgia Republicans insisted on using those touchscreens only to now face all of the blowback that folks like Marilyn Marks had warned about long ago. And that blowback is now coming from other Republicans who now believe Dominion Voting Systems is behind a super secret effort to steal the election from Donald Trump. So uh, are they right Joining us now for the first time since the 2020 presidential election to help us understand what did and didn't happen in Georgia this year and to help separate fact from fiction on this important matter and what we can all do about it is the great Marilyn Marks, a longtime expert advocate for free and fair elections as executive director of the Coalition for Good Governance a nonprofit organization committed to fair elections and government transparency, which 
spearheaded the successful effort to get rid of Georgia's nearly 20-year-old 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems made by Diebold, only to see them replaced with brand new 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems made by Dominion, which will, as of now, once again be used in the great state of Georgia for the not one but two critical January 5 U.S. Senate runoff elections in the Peach State to determine control of the U.S. Senate for all of us. Well, welcome back to the broadcast, Marilyn Marks. It is. Thank you so much, Brad. It's not that you didn't try to warn us. <laughs> yes, I I feel like I should be selling I told you so t-shirts yeah. right now. Yeah, actually that would be a good money uh, uh raiser for coalition <laughs> for good governments. All right, we we will get to uh, Marilyn what all of this means for the Senate runoffs in a bit and and what folks in Georgia and outside of Georgia who are also directly affected by these two contests can do to help. But first, I got to ask you the big question. As one of the nation's Leading Dominion Voting Systems critics who has spent years now trying to prevent the use of their, their terrible, unverifiable touchscreen systems in Georgia as someone who has, in fact, been the plaintiff in a longstanding federal lawsuit filed long before the presidential election uh, that Trump supporters are now claiming was somehow stolen by Dominion. Uh, a long-standing federal suit that sought long before the election to ban the use of Dominion's voting systems in Georgia and elsewhere because they're unsecure, unverifiable, therefore unconstitutional. As one of the few folks in the nation, along with myself, I guess, uh, who has long railed against the use of these Dominion systems, please tell me what, if anything, is the evidence that Dominion voting systems were in fact used to steal the election from Donald Trump to hand it to Joe Biden via Dominion voting systems in Georgia? Of course, there is no evidence to that effect, Brad, even if such a thing had been tried. And of course, I'm not suggesting that for a moment. It would be way too early to have been able to even pull such type of forensic evidence out of the system. It's just a terribly dense, complex system, as you know, and um, highly vulnerable, and um, it's absurd to say that there is such evidence um, that anything like that happened. And therefore, and I'm going to kind of jump to the end of the story, that is why we have always, as you have, advocated for if you have hand-marked paper ballots and a transparent system for recording those ballots and auditing them, mm -hmm. it, it can withstand attacks. It can withstand cybersecurity attacks and hacks and misprogramming and human error because you've always got a reliable record. You can figure out who won. That's the problem right now, that um, there is no proof of who won. Mm. The best records that, that are available show that Joe Biden won. But... Of course, the Trump people would like to prove otherwise. Mm -hmm. They can't do it. They cannot do it. And, look, they decided to take this risk, Brad. Mm -hmm. They decided to take the risk. The Democrats did, too. Said, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with this unverifiable system. Mm -hmm. Never expecting it to produce results they didn't like. You know, and I'm glad you say, Marilyn, that the Democrats decided to, uh, to take this uh, risk as well. Because one of the problems that I've been pointing out 
is uh, not only that, you know, A, just because a voting system is vulnerable to manipulation, that alone does not mean that it has been manipulated. But B, and I think this is the bigger point that a lot of people miss, even including a lot of election integrity uh, advocates, as far as I'm concerned, that uh, even if an election is 100 percent secure and perfectly tabulated, let's say that's what happened in Georgia, uh, as the Democrats seem to be arguing now, even if that is the case, you need a system that everyone can know, that the public can know, that the opponent can know has actually been 100 percent secure. It's not enough that it's secure. We need to know that it has been secure. And that, I think, is is sort of the risk you're talking about when you say, yes, Democrats took the chance with this system as well. Yes, and, and I would say it maybe even more strongly, Brad, and that is the winning candidate, winning parties, mm-hmm. need a result they can defend, mm-hmm. whether it's in court or in the eyes of the public. And that's the problem right now. We've got, in Georgia, Republicans criticizing and saying, um, Trump didn't really lose, Trump didn't lose. Unfortunately, the Democrats cannot say, Oh, yes, he did. Look here. Here is the hard evidence that our candidate won Mm. this race. Your candidate won some of these down-ballot races. We have a defensible election. Mm -hmm. And that is what both parties basically have, have agreed to do, is to have a system that cannot be, that the results cannot be defended. Mm-hmm. Now, that said, uh, both parties did agree to go into this election with this particular system. And based on That's this right. particular system, uh, you know, the results of the, the election in Georgia for president have now been tallied in one form or another for what I'm fairly certain is an unprecedented Three times the original computer machine count. There was a statewide so-called hand audit at the behest of the Republican Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger. And then all of the ballots were tallied a third time uh, via a machine recount that was requested by the Trump campaign. All three tallies came out largely the same, finding that Biden defeated Trump by about uh, a bit more than 12,000 votes. That seems like that's the tally, whether either of the parties like it. I mean, should Americans and Georgians have confidence in those reported results? As, as it relates to the arithmetic, the math of the reported results, absolutely. Because, as you say, they have been now counted um, three times. Mm-hmm. And the, the math is really not in question. Um, Joe Biden has more recorded votes than Trump does by any measure. There is nothing that got even close in the three different times it was counted. So if that is the case, that does seem what we have to work with. And yet Team Trump, in one of their rejected lawsuits, uh, this one I think filed by attorney Sidney Powell, uh, who is who is, by the way, telling Republicans to boycott the January Senate runoff elections. Uh, <laughs> she initially alleged that Dominion voting machines in Georgia had a machine controlled algorithm that flipped two and a half percent of the votes from Joe Biden 
to Donald Trump. Now, that was apparently a typo. She later corrected that to say that the uh, votes were flipped with this algorithm from Donald Trump to Joe Biden. But is there any evidence of any so-called algorithm that flipped votes, any votes from Trump to Biden in Georgia or anywhere else to your knowledge? So most certainly there is no such evidence. I mean, that was just fabricated out of thin air. And let's remember, these ballots have been hand-counted. And if there had been some flip in the software, um, that a hand-count would have, have demonstrated what the real count was, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, certainly for the hand-marked paper ballots, which made up over 25% of the ballots. Um, and, you know, I think that we have seen in city policy lawsuits just fabrication after fabrication, and it, it's just been, I sit there and read these documents cringing um, in, in the lack of facts when they, they even take things from our documents, mm-hmm. like experts' reports, yeah. and then add craziness to them, change literally change facts mm-hmm. that were attested to by our experts and make them completely false. So there is really no serious attempt here to challenge the Trump's loss uh, based on facts or evidence. This is all about something else, and I think it is just trying to rile up the base and not caring at all whether or not there is a legitimate court challenge. And I, and I can I got to tell you, Marilyn, I can attest to what you're saying, where she takes your lawsuit and tries to twist it around to her benefit, because that's exactly what she did with a whole bunch of my stories at uh, Bradblog.com from years ago, from you know 20, uh, 2008, 2010, concerning Venezuela and uh, mm-hmm. Smartmatic, and she basically uh, took this company, Smartmatic, which really has nothing to do with Dominion. And somehow is saying that Smartmatic is pulling all the strings. It is insane. And yet, you know, it, it sort of cuts at the heart of what of, of the legitimate concerns that you have and that I have. And, you know, my concern Well, one is a concern that it sort of uh, makes a joke out of the legitimate election integrity movement. And the other side of that is a hope that somehow from these concerns that many of these Republicans suddenly now have who have dismissed this for years, that maybe there will be some legitimate folks who come out of that and that the election integrity movement can be grown moving forward after we get beyond this particular set of elections. You know, Brett, I have the same hope. Um, And we are going to have to get through this crazy period, there's no doubt. And I had just tweeted out, uh, with respect to hearing that's going on today in Georgia. Well, I fear that there is not much good that's going to come out of this process in Georgia. I hope that maybe one piece of good is just what you said, that the Republicans are now suddenly concerned about mm-hmm. software and they are concerned about transparency of other processes, like um, the um, duplication of ballots and mm-hmm. things like that. They're suddenly um, interested in election administration that before they seem to have assumed it's just going to work for them. So hopefully we will get better transparency out of this, but 
we're going to have to go through the crazy period first, I'm afraid. Yeah, and we are in the crazy period, and I'm... I, I share your hope, but then I read, you know, things like this lawsuit from Texas, uh, from the uh, indicted Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxton, uh, who is suing to basically throw out all of Georgia's results. And uh, in three other states, Michigan, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania on Georgia in this lawsuit, one of the reasons that he believes that these ballots, uh, millions of ballots should be thrown out is because the law... They're claiming uh, that while Georgia law allows for voters to be notified by mail, that their mail-in ballot may be deficient in some way, missing a signature or whatever, allowing them to come in and cure that problem, um, that uh, the Secretary of State entered an agreement, uh, and, and your group may have been part of that agreement, I don't know, that allowed elections officials to not just mail uh, a letter to someone telling them they could come in and cure this problem with their ballot, but if they had a phone number, uh, they could actually call them or text them to tell them to come in and cure. That, they say, is unconstitutional and that all of the mail-in ballots, therefore, should be thrown out along with the rest of the results in, in Georgia. That's not very encouraging when it comes to the idea of Republicans uh, joining along in this fight at this point. <laughs> No, certainly not. And, and um, uh, while we were, back in 2018, the first to ever try to formally address the fact that there were way too many signatures being rejected. And um, as you recall, in 2018, we sued um, in federal court over the fact that so many signatures were being rejected, and many of them on a racially biased basis. Mm -hmm. And fortunately... Um, the law was changed the next year mm -hmm. to provide a more timely notification of the um, voter. And then subsequently, now we were not part of that next improvement, mm -hmm. but that next improvement happened the next year when um, others joined along in, the, in other suits. And so, yes, Georgia has never been good about notifying um, people who may have some very hyper-technical little issue mm -hmm. with their affidavit on their ballot. And I'm very concerned that the Republicans are so riled up right now and irrational about their approach that they are going to try to come into the next legislative session next month mm -hmm. and make changes that are not well thought out. Changes that are not well thought out and changes that are going to make things worse. And I wouldn't be surprised... At all. I mean, another one of the claims from uh, Paxton in this Texas lawsuit is that because the rejection rate of absentee ballots in 2020, this time around, was so much lower than it was in previous elections, which I suspect you would chalk up to all of the work that folks like yourself and advocates did, Stacey Abrams, to, you know, to to improve on that number, but that they didn't reject as many ballots as previous years is evidence in and of itself that the election was stolen. Your response? It is, you are right, Brad, that because there were so much more, there were much better controls as well as much better voter education. Um, and it does take a while to happen, and it had taken a couple of years to happen. Um, but they are not looking at the facts to see what caused the improvement. And, um, yes, I'm, I am fearful 
that they are going to make changes that will disenfranchise voters really across the political spectrum with, I, without thinking about what it's doing. I, uh, and we're, I know we're sort of wrestling with your uh, uh, cell phone audio there, Marilyn, so let me uh, jump ahead to uh, January 5 here. I have called... Uh, really, just right after the election, I called on Republicans to join me to demand hand-marked paper ballots uh, in the upcoming critical U.S. Senate runoffs. Uh, and I asked them to join me once they started to pretend to be outraged about Dominion voting systems. Now, there is a reason, as I said, to be outraged about Dominion. But not due to the many reasons that the MAGA mob has come up with. And in fact, there is no less reason to be outraged about every other private voting system vendor in our elections, including ES&S and Heart Inner Civic and Smartmatic and anybody else. Uh, but I said, listen, if you're concerned about these systems, let's demand hand-marked paper ballots for everyone in the January Senate runoffs. And if you're really concerned, we can hand count those ballots on election night publicly to get Dominion completely out of the state of Georgia for the January elections. I know you've called for something similar. Have Has that call gained any traction among these newly found, uh, newly discovered critics of the Georgia voting system? Very, very little traction that I can tell, Brad. I mean, they, the few, I'm talking to more Republicans than I have in years. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing from them, and we talk about this, and they all agree this makes total sense. However, you as a Democrat are going to appreciate the fact that they are spending all of their time trying to relitigate the Trump loss, and they are not at all focused on January. Mm. They don't seem to remember that they have a, a big election coming up in January. I'm, I'm afraid that they are that they are working to the Democrats' advantage when they're not even even thinking about what they're doing. But we have gained traction among the decision makers who are Republicans. And um, we, we are still trying every day. We've been doing it all day today mm -hmm. with uh, the leaders that are meeting right now in the House of Representatives, asking them to focus on January and get us hand-marked paper ballots for January so that they will not have the same controversies. And I would ask your listeners to write to the Speaker of the House, David Ralston, um, in the uh, Georgia uh, House of Representatives Speaker of the House, mm -hmm. Um, he has got an uh, awful lot of sway with the Republicans and could get things done, I believe. Um, he and um, the State Board of Elections, mm -hmm. they need to hear from your listeners in the next two or three days. Um, your listeners need to write to the officials right away. It's On Monday, mm -hmm. early voting begins. And they can start with ballot marking devices, but they can make a quick switch to hand-marked paper ballots. They're all ready to go, Brad. All they need are a few few thousand black ballpoint pens, <laughs> and they could do it. Um, and they just need to hear from the nation that this time we want a non-controversial election. Mm. Is there a uh, an email address to reach those people, David Ralston, the Speaker of the House and the State Board of Elections, or is it a complicated one? I don't one? have it right. Okay. No, no, I don't have it right in front of me, but if anybody goes on the Georgia General Assembly website, he is the Speaker of the House, and it will be right there. And he's good about uh, looking at his emails. I do know that. Um, 
I apologize for not having that right in front of me. That's okay. We will look it up, and we will give it to listeners, and I will include it on my uh, uh, blog item at Brad Blog tonight when I post uh, this show, Marilyn. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, this is up to all of us. It, it, this is now an important matter for the entire country, frankly, because of the control of the U.S. Senate. All of this is just one of the reasons why we have talked to you for so long on this program about Georgia driving people crazy. Brad, why are you talking about Georgia again? <laughs> I'm hoping people understand why we have been so focused on Georgia uh, at this point for so long. Uh, and that's uh, because, Marilyn, you had it right from the jump to be concerned about the Peach State. It, it has been um, kind of the poster child for all that's wrong with U.S. elections. It's all concentrated here. Yes. And it, now it's the center of the universe, isn't it? Yeah, it it certainly is. It sadly is. But I'm glad you are there at the center. And I would urge people, and this is also why I've been urging people, to stop by coalitionforgoodgovernance.org as, frankly, the lead organization at this point who has been warning about this system and who is still in the fight against this system, who still has an outstanding federal lawsuit that uh, hopefully will result in the banning of this system. Yes, uh, absolutely. And, and maybe now that there are, uh, you know, uh, other Republicans. And uh, by the way, people don't know, you're a longtime Republican yourself. I don't know if you still are. Not anymore. No, no, <laughs> not in the last few years. Okay. I, did, I did have that history when it was a different kind of Republican Party, Brad. Well, they, well I didn't mean it as an insult, Marilyn. I was just trying to... <laughs> Point it's an out. insult these days. I know, <laughs> I know it is, I know, but yet you actually ran for office at one point uh, as a Republican. Right. So there right. are... But we are nonpartisan, truly, in our coalition for good governance. Yes, I know. That's why I wanted to point it out. Nonpartisan, you got a lot of Republicans, Democrats, uh, independents uh, doing the work that needs to be done, and I'm hoping that more uh, Republicans may come aboard this fight uh, in, in the months ahead once this craziness has ended, if it ever does. We will talk about your lawsuit again in the future, because I know that's still outstanding down the road but uh we'll we'll wait till we get a better cell phone signal from you you're optimistic yeah. well you should be now because okay. i think you got a lot of new uh people who may want to join that suit Mar marilyn marks is the uh executive director of the coalition for good governance you can support their work at coalitionforgoodgovernance.org. You can find and follow her on the Twitters at Marilyn R. Marks, the number one. And the coalition is also on Twitter at Coalition Good GV. Coalition Good GV. Marilyn, thanks for all you're doing. We'll continue to talk about it uh, with you, no matter how crazy it may drive our listeners, but really appreciate your time today. Okay, Des, I think you've got some of those email addresses for us. Uh, yes, yes. Okay, so to email the Georgia State House Speaker, that's David Ralston. His email is david.ralston at house.ga.gov. Let me, david.ralston at house.ga.gov. Correct. Okay, and it. for the Board of Elections, well, you know, there are a lot of them, but the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, is the head of all of them. Mm. So you can just email him directly, brad at sos.ga.gov. 
Brad should <laughs> yes. be easy to remember. Brad at sos.ga.gov right. and let them know your concerns about all of this when it comes to the January 5th election and, of course, beyond. But right now, uh, January 5th election uh, affects everyone. Right. And so what you want to make sure you ask for is hand-marked paper ballots. For everyone, even at the polling place. And by the way, and uh, sorry we had trouble with Marilyn's uh, cell phone there, but I know the one point that she has been making is actually that counties, according to Georgia state law, counties, county boards of elections on their own, do have the ability to decide on their own, never mind what the Secretary of State and Brad Raffensperger are saying, they can go to hand-marked paper ballots, give those uh, ballots to every voter at the polling place if they choose. They don't need the permission of the uh, of, of the uh, Secretary of State to do that. Yes, but your polite encouragement will help them to make that decision. Yes, please do be polite because these are the folks. Raffensperger has been attacked mercilessly with death threats and uh, to him and to his wife coming from Republicans in particular since Donald Trump has targeted Raffensperger and uh, Republican Governor uh, Brian Kemp. They're both Republicans. They're both Donald Trump supporters, but they have been targeted by Trump and his supporters, who I call the MAGA mob at this point. Uh, so be polite, be constructive, uh, because this matters. And they are looking at these concerns right now because the Republicans are suddenly concerned about it. And that's fine and that's good. And I hope they literally are. We'll see if they actually are, but you can maybe help along the process. So the Speaker of the House of Georgia, David.Ralston at House.GA.gov and the Secretary of State, Brad at uh, SOS.GA.gov. Make sure they both know <laughs> that all voters should have hand-marked paper ballots, not just paper ballots, Hand-marked paper ballots. All right, quick break. We're back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report Yay. right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. Looking down your uh, rundown here, Desi Doyen, for yes. the Green News Report. Not a lot of good news. <laughs> Until we get to the end. And then some very, very good news. Is that yep. fair to say? Yep. Stick around for the end. That's always the best part. Yeah, there you go. In our latest Green News Report. The Arctic really has achieved a new normal. Scientists warn of Arctic's dramatic transformation. 
Trump EPA makes it even harder to enact new pollution rules. Plus, bad news for big oil. New York State's giant pension fund is divesting from fossil fuels. All of that good, bad news and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. People talk about like the Green New Deal, like AOC is going to personally come in your house and steal your Christmas presents and then replace it with a lump of coal and then come back and replace the lump of coal with a solar panel. Oh, like she's not. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, it's been a while, actually, happily, since we've had exploding plants, but we got one again now? Yes, unfortunately we do have another chemical plant explosion, this time in Bell, West Virginia. The explosion on Tuesday night at a DuPont Chemours chlorine plant killed one worker and injured two others. Residents within a two-mile radius of the plant were ordered to shelter in place from the toxic fumes until the fire was out. The cause is still under investigation. Meanwhile, the Trump Environmental Protection Agency this week finalized a sweeping new rule that undermines the ability of future administrations to issue new curbs on pollution of any kind. The new rule restricts the EPA to only considering costs to industry from a new rule and prohibits the agency from including public health co-benefits and cost savings gained from reducing toxic pollution, effectively removing the benefit part from its cost benefit analysis. It makes it difficult to justify any new regulation if you don't count the costs in American lives and health. And is this going to be one of those rules that they have made it difficult for Joe Biden to turn around when he comes in? Well, the incoming Biden administration can reverse the rule once in office, but that process could take years. It's one of many Trump administration rule changes that are intended to handcuff future EPAs from protecting public health. And another one of those rules that if the Democrats can take the Senate they'd be able to turn around with majorities in both the House and the Senate. Right. If Democrats control both houses, they would be able to invoke the Congressional Review Act, which allows Congress to strike down such last-minute regulations. Hey, you folks in Georgia paying attention? Don't answer that. I suspect you are. You probably can't avoid it at this point. Another disastrous year for the Arctic, NOAA released its annual Arctic report card this week, warning that persistent and accelerating warming in the region is affecting Arctic ecosystems and the entire global climate system. The Arctic is warming twice as fast as the rest of the planet. This year, it saw temperatures spiking to 100 degrees Fahrenheit Mm. north of the Arctic Circle. Sea ice extent was the second lowest ever observed in the satellite era. Plus, dangerously low snow cover led to record severe wildfires and accelerated thawing of permafrost. Both in turn released even more climate warming greenhouse gases in a self-reinforcing feedback loop Mm. that scientists predicted decades ago. That scientists warned about decades ago. Arctic scientist Rick Toman in a virtual press conference warned that the region is rapidly shifting. The 2020 report card describes an Arctic region that continues along a path that is warmer, less frozen, and biologically changed in ways that were scarcely imaginable even a generation ago. Nearly everything in the Arctic, from ice and snow to human activity, is changing so quickly that there's really no reason to think that in 30 years, 
much of anything will be as it is today. And they warn that has global consequences. Arctic warming has cascading effects around the planet, raising sea levels, changing ocean circulation, and new research suggests playing a role in altering global weather patterns and intensifying extreme weather events. Finally, there is some good news. New York State's pension fund, one of the world's largest investment funds, this week committed to divesting from fossil fuels. The state controller announced the fund will ditch most of its fossil fuel investments within five years and by 2040 will divest from companies that haven't eliminated their greenhouse gas emissions, calling them a risk to the fund's long-term value. The fund will use its investment clout to pressure companies to align their operations with climate action. Energy analysts say the move could accelerate a broader shift in global markets away from oil and gas companies. This is big news. I know it's very good news for a lot of environmental groups who have been pushing for this for years. This is one of the largest, if not the largest, such pension funds in the world to take this action, as I understand. Yep, and it frees up billions of dollars for investment in renewable energy and innovative carbon neutral industries. Now there's an idea. For much more on that story, all of the stories, and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. I'm in a New York state of mind. Change happens slowly until it happens quickly. You know, that music makes me feel a little bit better today. I don't know why. <laughs> it's kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Desi Doyen. My thanks also to our guest today, Marilyn Marks of CoalitionForGoodGovernance.org, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is always greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, you can download it anytime for free at Bradblog. Dot com That is made possible by those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate. We rely only on listeners to stay on your public airwaves so that we can bash anybody we like, any corporation, <laughs> any politician, anybody else. Uh, some so a little bit more potentially good news as we leave air today. Uh, breaking the FDA advisory panel has voted to recommend emergency use of the uh, Pfizer vaccine for COVID. That will probably lead to uh, final approval this week, and those shots could be in people's arms within days. And we just have to wait a whole bunch of months until it actually takes effect for hundreds of millions of Americans. Yeah. But hey. Long road ahead, but there is a light at the end of it. We'll take it. I think that's it. You can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com on the Facebooks and the Twitters. I am the Brad Blog. We will see you there until we see you here next time. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. I'm in a New York state of mind. Cause I'm in
Stay up.